Also, my neighbor came over the other day. I guess like this cat died on our street, which is not all that surprising because there's so many. And he was like, hey, do you have video footage of your neighbor's driveway? And I was like, no, I don't actually record anything. Like, it's just real time streaming on my camera that I have in the front window. He's like, oh, I'm hoping to prove that like these one people like threw a big stone at this cat and killed it. I was like, wow, you have big ambitions. And he was like, yeah, I know they did it because they were moving stones around last weekend. And I don't think they like cats. And I was like, "Okay, that seems like really weak logic, but okay, sure." This does sound like a case being solved by Bardic Mystery Tour. sun in the Lopetian desert lies the proud city of Mansamalut. The hard-working denizens of this mercantile capital live honest lives, but when the sun goes down, there is another face to this metropolis. The zookeeper is the head of a vast criminal network that controls trade just out of view of the law. This is the story of three aspiring members of that thieves' guild. Mystery Tour is a 5th edition D&D actual play podcast about a band of bards out on tour. But today we're playing Burglar Mystery Tour, an actual play podcast about a band of thieves robbing and fools. My name's Brayton, and I'll be your DM. Hi, I'm Emily, and I'm playing Jaxo Gix. He is a kobold. He's an ex-pirate. He's got orange scales and a yellow belly, but that doesn't mean he's scared of nothing. And he's a little guy, like like three feet tall, and he's got a sick tattoo, and it does magical things if he touches it, I think, but I can't remember, so we'll find out. Hey there, Hap here, the most handsome, charming, and talented thief of the bunch, being played by Nora. Hap is a mark of finding human with a secret past, a penchant for houseplants, and a startling aversion to other people. His blonde hair, blue eyes, and strange accent tend to make him stand out in a crowd. And I'm Ed, and I'm playing Drell Griefstroke, a human warlock who follows the patron, the darkness within. He likes things that are dark, and he's angry. Last time on Burglar Mystery Tour, the gang accepted a mission from the Heistmaster to participate in this year's traditional boat race to commemorate the survival of the early settlers of the area. They, however, are in this race with ulterior motives. We join them the morning of the race as they prepare to head out. This is Burglar Mystery Tour. Alright, it's the day of the big race. Did our boat come in? Your boat came in. Did we get team shirts, though? Like, did we get a team uniform that we're going to wear? It's our life vest that we spray painted black. With a black hand on them. 
and we put a white number set on the back and it says 5, 10, 83, 65. Upside down. Wink. Don't tell everyone. You can't give away the secret. That's code so no one can figure it out. You've painted your life vests to be matching? I guess so. Mine has those things that punk rockers like put on the bedazzling, but like hardcore looking cool. Bedazzling? What are those called? Like studs and spikes? Yeah, 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 yeah. I bedazzled mine with studs and spikes. Did you guys want that too? I added a like a fancy scarf on top of mine. Are you just wearing the scarf or is it part of the life jacket? It's going to drown you. Definitely part of the life jacket. Okay. Definitely. I painted mine with a very extremely intricate withered hand reaching to the sky like it's being frozen as it's having the life sucked out of it in all black. Did you paint it black on black? Yes. Or did you paint it like visibly? Is it glossy black on matte black? No, the same paint. But can you make him roll to see how good the drawing is? So we know like how bad of a hand it is underneath. You should make a check for that for sure. I think you should make a artisan's tools check. I don't have that. Well, then you're not proficient. It can be a dexterity based thing. 17. Oh, it looks. Well, I guess half roll a... If you're trying to look at it, I guess roll an investigation check. You can have advantage because you're spending a lot of time. Eight is my investigation roll. All it says is 5, 10, 83, 65, upside down in white. Yeah. You don't understand how Drell could have spent that much time on his jacket decoration to have literally nothing on it. All right. Are you guys all costumed up? Oh, yeah. Remember, you were registered under the name the Fair Fawners. Is that what we wrote on the back instead of the number? Do we powder our faces? I think we wrote it like, you know how whenever you're in a race, like a marathon kind of race, and they give you the number that goes on your back? I think we wrote it like that on all of our backs. And then we like wrote the fair fawners somewhere else, like maybe on our breast. Do you guys all want to get deer head helmets? Antlers! Yeah! But like, not like just the deer head, but like the deer neck and head. So it's like we're like an extra like foot taller with the helmet on. Sounds intimidating. I don't want to drown in that. I don't. I just want an antler crown. <laughs> just don't drown. I don't want to drown in anything. Well, sadness, maybe. I'm already drowning in sadness. Oh. I'm just going to go with like antlers only. All right. So Jaxo's wearing an antler crown. I found it at the Goodwill. It says flow on the inside. She must be dead. It's like a nice plastic cast of an antler crown that says Flo's antler crown on the inside. It's like designed for children, but it fits you perfectly. Of course. All right, then Drell, are you wearing like a one foot tall head, like skull of a deer? No, it's not like the skull. It's like a deer head off a wall, like a mounted deer head. Oh, like with flesh and fur? Yeah, yeah. But then in the bottom of it, it's cut. You know, the medieval helmets that have like an M kind of shape in it, like, you know, like Magneto's helmet, like that cut out of it. And so it just rests on my head. But then I paint the whole thing black. I assume it has kind of like a Knights Who Say Knee aesthetic. Yeah. Okay. Do you leave the antlers white? No. Oh, I would have. Um, Hap, how are you dressing? I feel like I found one of those little figurines that they have at Goodwill. I just happened to find one that had a deer head and I broke off the deer head and then I attached it to my vest on the back in the middle. 
between my shoulder blades. How big is that figurine head? Pretty small. Three inches. All right. You guys speed through check-in with literally no problems or chances to fuck it up. Oh, did you roll for us? Yep, I rolled for you. Nice. Thanks for that. Yeah, can I roll a check-in roll? I mean, what's? do you think that's a dexterity or charisma? Charisma for sure. You are on the river. So in the center of the city, you're in the old town part of the city, which is fitting because of the ancient nature of this twilight race. There, there is like a river port that kind of opens up, surrounded by a part of the city that's an open market. It's called the Old Bazaar, but old has an E on the end of it. And bazaar is spelled B-I-Z-A-R-R-E. No, two A's. And one R and no E's. Is bizarre spelled differently than bizarre? Yes. I think so. I hope I don't look like an idiot on the internet. B-A-Z-A-A-R versus B-I-Z-A-R-R-E. Yep. I mean, are they like etymologically related? I have no idea. You're going to have to look it up on the internet. They're not etymologically related. That's bizarre. How bizarre? Okay, so we go to the old bazaar. Okay, so you're sitting on this river port. There are 12 boats lined up beside each other, all waiting upon the beginning of the race. What number are we? Three. That's a good number. Yeah. All right, so you look over to your left at team number one, Hap. What's their name and key feature? They are the Bone Riders. They're primarily wearing white. They look pretty intimidating. Got a lot of skull and crossbones going on. And they have a figurehead made out of a human skeleton on their boat. All right, Drell, you look over at team number two. What do they look like? Team number two is riding on a little skiff that is covered in rounded shields with like the metal center of it. Go all the way around the rim of it. The thing that's like the bell of a ride symbol without a hole in it is called a boss on a shield. Is that what you meant? Yeah. Boss as hell. It's boss as hell. And their team is called Bear, Bear, and Bear. It's made of three people and one of them is a giant half-man, half-bear that stands eight feet tall. And one of them is a dude that's wearing almost no clothing, save like a little loincloth and these metal bands around his thighs. He's wielding a huge axe. And then the third one leans a little bit when he stands up. He's got like a spine condition that makes him kind of bear to the left a bit. All right. The boat looks like it can barely sail on the wind with this giant man-bear standing on it. And also, even though he's half bear, he's got like the legs of a human and the head of a bear and shoulders of a bear, but like hands of a human. But he's also got a bear hide like draped around his shoulders like Hercules, except for Hercules had a lion. But you know what I mean? All right. Excellent. Emily, Jaxo looks over to your right now because you're in the third position in the long line and you see a team in boat number four. What do they look like? Uh, definitely sleeveless because like they look like they have vests, like they're riding on a, a motorcycle, you know, like tough, 
but they're life jackets, but they covered them in snake skin and they're called rat snake. It's terrifying, but they keep looking over and like making a hugging motion. Like they're going to strangle us and not eat us with their venomous teeth. All right. You guys look over to the next team, team number five, and they are called the cave fellows. I bet they write bad poetry. What? Why? I can smell a bad poet from a mile away. (laughs) They're all wearing animal print over-the-shoulder onesies. They all have big cartoonish-looking foam clubs that they're holding, and they're chanting like this, Ooga, 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 ooga. They have extremely long, unkempt hair and beards, but you think they might be wigs. And their boat is painted to look like a rock. All right, Nora, give me another one. Number six is the Rainbow Runners. They're drinking beverages that have layered colors in them and they're wearing long flowing skirts and they look like they might be a little high the highest well they're not gonna finish so there's one boat gone we're good are they kind of hippie-ish or are they like um posh they're like party people okay like college freshmen yeah or more like sophomores really um ed what do you got so the next team is called goblin airs but spelled like G-O-B-L-I-N-A-I-R-E-S. It's a team of eight gnomes, and they're wearing these like extremely culturally unsensitive goblin outfits. But no one cares because goblins are awful. And uh, their sail, their main sail, has a giant face of a like super ugly goblin on it. They're all carrying these bardishas that have like bronze blades. Nice. And just for some of the listeners who aren't near a dictionary, what exactly is a bardiche? Like a polearm with like a rounded axe head. It's just kind of like a pole axe. Nice. Emily, what do you got for team number eight? All right. The next one is sideways and it's called the Ever Given. Um, and there's only one person manning the ship and they look very distraught and they don't look like they know how to make a boat go? I like your tactic to make a team that we can clearly beat in the race. What do you mean they're sideways? Oh, like in the river, they're pointed sideways compared to all the other boats? <laughs> okay. But they're in the front. They clog the canal. <laughs> the boats can't go. The race can't happen. It's causing problems for everyone. I foiled it. I foiled it, Brayton. Oh, man, you're too good for me. Uh, the next team is in a boat called The Craft, but it's spelled with a K, and it's made to look like cogs in a machine. It's a group of three dwarves who all have like work belts on and leather tunics on. They don't have any life vests at all, which you think is a little bit dangerous. Dwarves on a boat? Yeah. It's iron-sided, and it has a furnace in the middle near the mast. The sail seems to be suspiciously small. They don't have to worry about them burning their boat because it can't catch on fire. (laughs) There's a smokestack that runs up along the sail and shoots out of the top. Like, along the mast, I mean. That sounds suspiciously illegal. Uh, That's what their boat looks like. Does anybody else have any other good ones? Oh, yeah. The next one is called the Sturge. S-T-I-R-G-E. And in the front, you know how some boats have that like sticky, outy, pointy like part? The prow? Sure. That. And um, underneath it, there's like a mermaid. The figurehead? Yep. Mm-hmm. But this is a Sturge monster. It looks like uh, an evil mosquito bat that's falling apart. It's from 
the monster manual in case you want to look it up. And the crew is like a group of three people just like in cloaks and there's just sunscreen all over the boat and like they have places that are covered so they can hide from the sun and they don't look like they're going to do so hot if they have to leave their little huts they made, but they might be vampires. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's a D&D thing, but I'm making it happen. Wait, you've literally fought vampires in D&D and you don't know whether it's a D&D thing or not? No, I don't know if the light thing is a D&D thing. Oh. Is there light sensitivity for vampires? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, I described that char- that monster, I want you to know, and then I just read this. It says, this horrid monster looks like a cross between a large bat and an oversized mosquito. So I did a good job describing it. You did. You know how to interpret pictures. Yeah. And it has an action called blood drain, which is what gave me the vampires idea. Yeah. Yeah. Sturges drink blood. They're nasty. I have a question, Brayton. Do you know how long this race has been going on? Yeah. In fact, I think that you'll find out as soon as we find out who the last two teams are. Oh, okay. Then my team ID is gone. Did I steal your idea? No. My idea was to name a team like the Bicentennials and be like, oh, like they're real serious because they're all about the historical nature of this race. And they won last year. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. And the year before that. So we should kill them. Yeah, this is the um, 46th year. They have like triangle hats. They definitely dress in traditional garb, you know? They're like real serious about using like original craft standards. Okay, what's uh, did you pick a name for them? Whatever, like, however long the anniversary is. So it was 46 years, and then they'd be the 46ers. All right. And the last team is called the Tugs. And they're driving this really small, stout-looking boat. There's three people on the crew, and they're all wearing, like, these yellow, like, minor helmets with, like, the light on the front and, like, bright yellow, like, Gordon Fisherman, like, raincoats. They have yellow galoshes, don't they? Yeah. Uh, is there anything else about the tugs, Ed, that you want to tell me? It's really important that their boat is really like stout and hardy looking. It looks like um, sturdy, but small. Is it tugs with two G's, please? Yeah, that's what I wrote down. Nora, tell me again about the 46ers. They just look very professional and serious. Yeah, they're professional and serious and like they take this tradition way too over the top and like they want everything to be exactly to historical standards. Like the route has to be perfect and what they're wearing has to be perfect and like their boat is like historically accurate, but they're in it to win it for sure. Cool. So they're not wearing like Under Armour. They're wearing old style colonial clothing. Whatever 46 years ago clothing looks like. Well, wait, the race started 46 years ago, but the tradition started longer ago than that. Yeah, the event was closer to, let's just say it was around 167 years ago, which is a number I just made up, wink. And it's the 46th year of the race, if that makes a difference to the name of your team. No, we're just going to stick with the 46ers because it sounds like the 49ers, and I think that's funny. All right. So here you are. In this big row of 12 boats, 11 of which are facing forward, one of which is facing sideways. Just a quick recap. You're up against the Bone Riders, Bear Bear and Bear, Team Fair Fawners is you guys, Rat Snake, Cave Fellows, Rainbow Runners, Goblin Airs, The Ever Given, The Craft with a K, which isn't a bunch of witches, which is weird. The Sturge. 
The 46ers and the Tugs. Uh, it's not the Tugs, it's just Tugs. Oh, I'm glad we recapped. I'm really pleased with these boats. This has quickly turned into uh, Wacky Racers or whatever. Yeah, Wacky Racers. All right. There's a podium on the land right on the very edge of the water. And up to the podium walks a rotund, bespectacled human man who's wearing linen pants and a beige button-up shirt. And he walks up to the, I just said it, what's it called? Pedestal, lectern. Podium. Podium. He walks up to the podium. Do you know what the difference between a podium and a lectern is? <laughs> yeah. This is yeah, a piece I of know. trivia that I actually know the answer to, so. I'll explain it to you right a now. Lectern a podium, is a church. you can't see through because it's covered. No. And a podium may or may not be a lectern. No. A podium goes all the way to the floor, and then a lectern can go on top of a table. It's only like a partial thing that you put your papers on or stand in front of. Ah. So you could put a lectern on top of a podium? Because podium is like podiatry, like feet. Okay. Neat. Well, this is a podium then, I must say. It's not a floating lectern? I'm a little sad. No, it's on the land. Yeah, but things can flow. We've got magic. Cast Mage Hand. Oh, I see what you're saying, but it is not a levitating lectern. Oh, levitating lectern is kind of a sweet. Right? I'm putting that on the list of magic items for next time. Just do it now. This man walks up to the podium that's standing on the ground, and he says, Hello, fair citizens, and welcome to the 46th annual Twilight Race. And the crowd goes wild. He says, I'm Mayor Varisek, and you are the crowd. Thanks for letting us know. What a great speech. Then he goes on to say, Long ago, 12 great artisans set out across the seas and mountains to meet in these Lapetian foothills. There, they founded a trading post. The early days of this trading post weren't easy for those settlers and an oppressive drought made life unbearable for some of those companies. Wait, a drought in the desert? Yeah. It's when the dra- the rainy season never comes. Have you guys ever heard of a real-world equivalent called the Nile River? It means river. And sometimes there's a wet season, sometimes there's a dry season, and there's some really famous stories about a group of people who had no food during a big old drought. Am I crazy? Did I make that up? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, but I believe you. Do you think a drought is when a river dries up, or do you think a drought is when like the rain doesn't come? Yeah, it's like when there's no rain. Yeah, but in a desert, there's just not rain. Okay, maybe there's something that you don't understand here. This isn't the desert. This is the foothills nestled between the desert and the mountains, which, if you recall from episode A of Finn's heist, was said. They have more than succulents here, Ed. All right. Let's get on with it. All right. So he pulls out his paper again and he says. After he was so rudely interrupted by. Some weirdo in a black deer helmet. Being traders and artisans, they sent their crews out to bargain for enough food to get through the drought. The post was saved due. Post is a reference to trading post. It's been so long since I said that that now it seems out of place. The trading post was saved due to the efficiency of those merchant vessels, but at a price. Three of the vessels never made it back, and he gets very solemn. Then he says, 167 years later, we call that trading post the great city Manzamalut. 
Every year, as the wet season draws to an end, we celebrate our survival and honor the sacrifices made by those land sailors with the Twilight Race Festival. And the crowd goes wild. And he says, 12 teams compete on a track from the city under the mountains, down the river Ragni Beck, and back over land with three bags of grain. And then he turns to a, a very officially dressed person who has a weird hat. You know how all official people have weird hats? This hat is shaped like a gigantic sundial. And he says, Lord Cravem, signify when the time is right. And then he looks at another humongous sundial that's ornately designed that's in front of him. And he holds a starter pistol up. And then uh, he holds one hand up with five fingers. And he counts down four fingers, three fingers, two fingers, one finger. And then he fires the pistol. And the race has begun. We go. It is an hour before dusk. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Bardic Mystery Tour. I'm your now second favorite DM, Ed. Just saying thanks for listening, and we love everyone, and we're super happy you like the show and you're continuing to listen. I just wanted everyone to know that there is a Patreon reward for when we get enough Patreon patrons, and we're only two away, so if you want to get some pins sent to you in the mail, you can go check out patreon.com. You can find that link on our website, bardicmysterytour.com. It'll take you to our Patreon. That website also has links to all of our social media, and including our Bandcamp site where you can listen to all of our music and purchase it if you want to because you like our music, and that's why you listen to our podcast, because you love rock and roll. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it, but I don't want to waste too much time because we're doing this race, so let's get back to the race. We go! We go! So you guys are moving out of a huge crowd in the center of the old bazaar in the city. You're going to go along the river for just a short while, like about a mile, before you have to cut north and head towards those caves. So who's in charge of the ship? Who's driving me, the ship? Me. Definitely me. Jaxo, the ex-pirate. I mean Jaxo. Definitely Jaxo. I have a hard time separating me from his voice. Sorry. Well, so what we're going to do is have you roll a vehicle check and i'll let you make an argument for any kind of attribute you want to use are they called attributes what are they called ability how about athletics because i have to be athletic to do it no i meant to say abilities like strength dexterity constitution intelligence wisdom or charisma oh dexterity because i have to be good at the feet and the hands doing the things all quick like in concert no patting the head rubbing the tummy Uh uh-huh mm-hmm I got to do all that if I'm running a boat. All right. Sure. That sounds good. But remember, it's an hour before sunset. So Jaxo Gix, if I'm reading your character sheet correctly. Is superb in every way. Especially in the way of not being able to see well in the daylight. It's true. That's true. I think you should roll at disadvantage unless somebody on your team is willing to help you. Jack, so we can also wait until, like, dusk and then no, go. No, we have to go because they hit the gun. Let's go. Will you help me? I'll help you. We go. I got a 24. Does helping add two? No, helping gives advantage. I don't know. I think that we play this where we add two all the time. I don't know where we got that. I thought it was add one. Hear me out. The player's handbook says that you get advantage for help. So that will just cancel out the disadvantage from the sunlight for poor old blind old Jaxo Gix. So I roll one time? 
Yes. If we both help, then do we have advantage? No, because one of the beauties of 5th edition is it's not stackable. You don't count up all these advantages and disadvantages. Yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen. Get out of here, Hap. We don't need ya. I sit wow. and sulk on the side of the boat. Hap, I need you. I meant for f- steering the boat. I like you. Okay. Okay. Well, I rolled against you, and I rolled very poorly. So <laughs> <laughs> you pull out into the lead right off of the yes. starting line. Just because I said go. Because I said bang. Let's be honest. Bang. We go together. Like bam lama pi ding dingy dong Shubab, shabab. Walla walla. Chang chang. Yeah, oh, and the Ever Given is second, which is very fitting. So the Ever Given gets in the way of everybody, and they're trying to push it to get it out yes. of the way. Wait, how many boats are in front of it? Us. We're the only one that got in front? Yep. So it's Team Fair Fawners, and then uh, quite a bit of space, and then the Ever Given, and then the Sturge was behind the Ever Given, and they pushed them. So now the Ever Given's still in second place, but they're straightened out and finally moving along. The river. How's Rat Snake doing since all my creations are doing pretty well? Oh, it's bad news for Rat Snake. You can't tell because, like, your eyes aren't that good. They're all the way in the back. Number 12. Boo. I thought you were going to say that uh, some of them flew over top of it. And I was like, the cheaters. How many mage hands do you think it would take to pick up a boat this heavy? Plus, all those boats are equipped to go on land. So how heavy? So these boats, what did I say they were? Like 25 feet long? I don't know. Sloop-sized. You guys seem to be shocked when I said that you're going to pick up 300 pounds of grain. But that's like nothing for these boats. Wait, I think that I was shocked when you said three people could run a boat that big. Oh, okay. You were also like, man, that's a lot of weight. Did we bring helium? I think I said that's a lot of weight for us to carry because I don't like to carry things. It's mostly because I want my voice to get high again. Well... Uh, I don't think you brought any helium. Do your character sheets say anything? Dag. No. Dodge, grapple, help, hide. Nope. All right. So you guys are in the front. We're going to kind of fly through the racing. It's just going to have a couple racing events so we don't get bogged down in the show too much. But you guys fly up the river in first place, about a mile up the river. Uh, and I said up the river, but the river comes down out of the mountains, kind of south. And then by the time it gets to the city, it's running eastward. Uh, You're going to go eastward out of the city on the river, the Great Ragnibek. And then there is a point where you're going to turn left. It's marked. There are buoys. There are two buoys that are anchored in the middle of the river with big arrows on gigantic yellow cloth that point to the left. And then there's two more stakes in the ground with big yellow cloth banners with more arrows that point to the left. I don't call them buoys, though. I call them buoys. What's up, Anchor Boys? Boys. So that's where the path turns up. So it's going to cut north a little bit to go towards the dwarves. And at this point, it's time for you guys to drop your skis and ski up onto the sand. Let's go! There should be a giant lever in your boat. Um, all right. Our boat, instead of having a giant lever, it's got like a button with a bunch of other smaller buttons around it. And they all have like letters A through G on it. The big one in the middle has a big A, and it's the one that does everything. What does the B button do? You don't. It do, you don't touch that button. What does what the G the button, button do? You don't touch those, but you only A does everything. I swear, one time he pushed the G button, and then a little bird flew out with the yeah. messenger. 
I also think that there's a second clip of him pushing a different button. But so anyway, that's fine. Uh, so you don't have a lever. You just have a big button. Someone has to push the button to activate. Do it, do I will it. press the button. The button's real stuck. You got to make an athletic strength check. Oh, Hap, are you stronger than me? Definitely not. All right. I will push the button as hard as I can. Five. Joe pushes the button as if it's just some sort of regular button on a regular steering wheel. You gotta hit that shit! And not a serious mechanism. And then the keel of the boat comes crashing into the sand and you guys lose a little bit of speed. The boat almost tips over because the wind's still pushing you pretty good. And the Ever Given overtakes the Fair Fawners. Unheard of. Garbage. It's a fantasy story. We all know if it was real life, they'd still be stuck on that boat maybe for a year. And who knows if they can go home. Guys, I'm sorry. I thought it was just a regular button. I didn't understand. It's okay, Drell. Let's go. Let's go. Gotta push it hard like you mean it. I'll get it on the next ramp. Okay, try now. I'll push the button again. You're pushing the button again right now? Yeah. Okay. 19. You push the button perfectly and the skis <laughs> retract and you fall down on the, onto the sand. With the... Do it again, do it again. All right, I'll push it again. 18. All right, the skis shoot back out. It's like the worst turbulence you could be in. You've lost a lot of speed and the sturge goes flying past you guys on the left. You know, practice makes perfect. Yeah, you want me to do it again? No, 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 no. Hap's just icily glaring. I just start, like, taking pieces of the ship off and, like, throwing them overboard so that we weigh less. No, we have to weigh, we have to weigh more because we have to get the bags. and we have to have, They check our weight at the end to make sure that we actually weigh enough that we need to pick up small bags. Well, I already threw off one piece of the board. Oh, great. We need to find a random piece of wood in the wilderness. Okay, so the fair fawners are moving again. You're headed towards the opening of the natural caves that run through the mountains. Oh, yeah, I can see in there. Who are the fair fawners? That's you guys. Us. That's our team name. Can't you tell by your deer head? Thought we were 5108-3605. Yeah, you're right. I did misspeak, Ed. 5108-3605, disguised as the fair fawners. 510-80. Wait, what is it? This is too much for me. You guys are in third place. There are just going to be a couple sections of this race. There are going to be about five sections of the race. And if you'd like to, you guys are next to the Sturge. If you'd like to do anything with them before you get to the front of the cave. Can we talk to them from this distance? It's going to be hard. Do we have any garlic on the ship? They're about 35 feet in front of you and just slightly to the port side. For the layman, that's the left side. Yeah, you can remember because... Port has one R and starboard has two. Because port has four letters. Did Drell take the web rod, right? Yes. I want to nudge Drell as Hap and say... It's a wand? Hey, Drell, I think that you should try and stymie that ship over there by shooting some webs at them. What am I going to stymie you now? Stymie. Stymie you? Throw a wrench in their tire. You know what I'm saying? I don't have any wrenches. This is a boat, not a car. Yeah, they have skis, not tires. Shoot your wand at their ship and slow them down. That's what I'm saying. Oh, wait, let's throw an elephant on there with a bag of tricks. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Did you bring it? How close are we? What did I say? 40 feet. Oh, I don't know if we can throw a um, puffball 40 feet. What if I attach it to the tip of my arrow and I shoot it with my short bow? Can we do that? 
I think that would work, except for you know that it starts growing quickly. So you're going to have to be fast. Wait, it, it starts growing when it hits the ground. Is that what it says? Yes, that's what it says. Yeah, then that would totally work. You don't even have to be fast. You have to be careful not to drop it on the ground. All right, I'm real careful. All right, I'm not even going to make you roll for that. I want you to roll to hit the ship. Okay. But it should be What's pretty easy. of a ship? I got an eight. You got an eight? The problem is that should probably be good enough to land on the deck of the ship. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like if there was a person-sized thing over there, a 10 would hit it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yep. All right, cool. You shoot a puffball. Roll a D8. I got an eight. All right. This puffball that you tied to an arrow lobs over in the tallest, slowest arc you've ever seen and barely lands on the back of their ship. But it's definitely totally on top and it starts growing and you see uh, these three pale skinned people scrambling around. As it, this little ball grows into an adult brown bear and it starts wreaking havoc, it's confused because it's kind of stuck in something. You know how they, they have those tarps that are covering them from the sunlight? Uh-huh. Well, it gets stuck in the ropes and stuff. It starts tearing them off. The three sailors of the Sturge start running for cover to get away from the sunlight and the ship careens off to the left and the fair fawners pass the Sturge. I give Drell a nod. I scream to the wind, what poor luck you have. <laughs> All right. So you guys are following the ever given into the, this. so I've been calling the mountain caves, natural caves, but I'm imagining them as these humongous wide cavern. It's also very windy. Yeah. Like it has to be big enough that wind can blow through the whole thing. Uh, they call them the howling caves. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, because there's so much wind that blows through them. And also they make jokes about farts all the time. Do we have to flip a coin and see which way the wind is going, if we're going against it or not? Nope, because it's a seasonal direction. Doesn't the wind always go the same way in certain seasons? I thought so. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, weather always crosses the United States in a general west to east fashion, so. Sure. So this cave is about... 50 feet wide, and like the cross-sectional shape of the cave is mostly circular with a flattened bottom. So it's basically 50 feet wide and 50 feet tall. So it's still narrow for two ships to go past, but like you totally can. Does it stay the same width and height pretty much the whole way through? You're not sure. You know it branches later, and you know the race goes through here every year. So... It will definitely stay big enough for your boat to go through. Can you see light from the other side or is there a bend? No, you definitely can't see light the whole way through. Nice. Perfect. I like that. I'm perfectly happy with that. Are there dwarven guards that wave at us when we go in and then the whole crowd of dwarves there that are waving at us? As you're going into the cave, there are two gigantic statues of dwarves. They're not that gigantic. There are two, you know, 15 foot tall Dwarven statues that stand guard over the cave pass. It's not a paved road, but it's a. it seems like it's a well-traveled route. So you fly in on the tail of the Ever Given, trying to catch up past these two stone statues that are standing guard. About another half mile into the cave, there's a big, bright set of braziers. There's, I, I don't know, I guess it's probably like six braziers burning brightly that you can see. 
What is a brazier? It's a big bowl you burn stuff in so you make light. Yeah. It's like wide and flat. Often they're like on something. On the left side of the cave, there's a humongous door that goes towards the Dwarven land. And so there's a brazier on each side of that doorway. And then across the cave on the other wall, directly across, there are two more. And all four of those braziers are being held up by gigantic Dwarven stone statues. And then hanging from the ceiling, there are two more. So that whole slice of the cave is illuminated by bonfires and braziers. How many miles into the cave system would you say this intersection is? 1.68, perhaps? No, it's less than that. Did Griggs give us like a signal we're looking for or something? So Griggs gave you... I feel like I brushed past that because I felt like we should just move past it last episode. But he gave you directions. So this is the drop-off point for the statue and the checkpoint for the race. This is the main road that goes towards the Dwarven Lands. But there are going to be more doors that go off into these smaller roads. And one of those is going to be your access point. Do we know that? How do we know that other than you just yes. telling us now? He told you how far it is. Oh, yeah. And he, he gave you a physical description of the area. Right. So you're coming up to the first checkpoint. There's obviously a lot in the middle of the road. Everybody make a perception check. Seven. Five. Uh, 15. At least someone's paying attention. Look, Jackson's driving. I'm driving. I'm pushing this button. I'm sitting and smoking. Jaxo and Drell are both just really worried about where they're going to drop off this statue and where they're going to check in at the checkpoint. We're using our dark vision real good, real hard right now. Uh, mine's not dark vision. What is it? I can see normal in the darkness. What is it called? Darkness within vision? Troll vision. It's called Devil's Sight. Devil's like like possessive. Devils. Do you get goat pupils when you use it? Maybe I just always have always goat have goat pupils. Does that mean that when you nod your head, your pu your your eyes stay? I don't think so, because goats can't see in the dark really well. I think they like bats see in the dark, but they see with sonar. You have echolocation. No, it's normal. You're part vision. dolphin. Tell me what I see. So, Hap, when you look at these stone dwarves, you can see that there's something elaborately carved into the chest pieces of the statues. It looks like it might be some sort of magical incantation, but I think that you're not, you don't have a strong background in magic, so you're not really sure what it does. But it doesn't seem to be affecting you per se. Okay. All right. And then everybody can see... In the center of this road, there's a platform, which looks like it's designed to have two spots for ships to pull up beside it, with about a dozen race officials standing on top with clipboards and really flamboyant, awkward race hats, because, you know, they're officials. Then off to the side where the gateway to the Dwarven Kingdom of Stybar is, there are a handful of fully armored Dwarven guards who look like they mean real business. As we're flying by, we see the dwarves and we're like, what's up, nerds? We just huck this like 600-pound statue at them. All right. As you get closer and you start to approach, there are some race officials that are waving flags to get you to pull over, clearly indicating they want you to slow down and stop. Pull the brakes. Bind the sails or whatever. I can't remember because it's been so long since I was a pirate, but cinch I'm going to slam that A button. No, I don't really think you need to... 16. Hit the B button for brakes. No, 
the A button does everything. You just have to will it to do the right thing. Yeah. You have to know what you're trying to do. All right. What well, I have to also roll uh, my dexterity. We'll do a, do a vehicle check. It's a little bit more difficult to get the ship to stop the way you want it to since Drell slammed the mechanism and pulled the skis up. So I feel like you should probably make that vehicle check. Shouldn't it make it easy to stop? Okay, okay. Disadvantage. Disadvantage. 19. All right. Due to Jaxo's many years at sea and great prowess at the prow. The crowd goes wild. Great prowess. (laughs) The ship of the fair fawners slides kind of cantered over a little bit on its side, up right next to the spot. We hawked that trophy back at them. I yelled, perfect. And then we got it. Did we Tokyo drift it in? Like, Yep. <laughs> he drifted in straight next to the official, and he asked for your name. Hap, are you ready to launch that shit in his hand so we can keep going? I sure am. And then I throw it. Okay. He indicates that you should put the statue down on the ground next to the statue from the Ever Given, in the second spot. Can I throw it from where I am? You can try to throw it from where you are, I think. But I want you to know that this statue is kind of heavy and kind of breakable. Okay, I'll take it. I'll carry it off the ship and deposit it where the dwarf is indicating. All right. I want you to make an athletics check because it's like a 100-pound statue. And this is just to see how fast. You can do it, but it's just to see how quickly you do it. I rolled a one. Oh, no. What? I help. Hap grabs the statue and goes to run, but his feet kind of slide on the deck and he falls over, clinging onto the statue to keep himself upright. Jaxo Gix comes over and helps by grabbing the other side of the statue, and the two of them are able to get it off the ship and down to the ground in record time. However, while that's happening, the cave fellows come up in their stone-shaped boat With the skis still down, no problem. They just pull evenly and neatly to a stop on the other side of the platform. Zero style points. No style points. One of them grabs their statue with one arm, jumps over the edge of the ship, puts it down, and jumps back up right as they're taken off. I shoot at him. Wait, they have to talk to the registrar guy, and I'm already talking to him. They got to wait till he talks to them. So they need to hold their horses and their horseshoes because... We didn't discuss when you asked me the question already. He said, what's your name? And I distinctly say to him, uh, the faint fawn. The faint. Let's go. And I hit the A button. Uh, He looks very confused. But then he circles something while the other two are dragging the statue across the ship. 20. All right. The three of you jump back on your ship and you start heading down the racetrack again just behind your adversaries who are a little more bureaucratically minded and a little bit better prepared for dropping off a statue in the correct spot. The cave fellows pull ahead of you and slip away. Will 51083605 be able to keep up in this high stakes race? Will they find the Sklar and power cores without delaying the race too much? Or will their shenanigans cost them too much and ultimately lose them the race? Find out next time on Burglar Mystery Tour.
This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. Bardic Mystery Tour is recorded at Looking for Group Pittsburgh. Looking for Group Pittsburgh is a land center in the Brookline neighborhood of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you're in the area, stop by for games, co-working, or events. Find more information or schedule your next party at lfgpgh.com.